You're listening to Rowan Radio On Demand. Download more podcasts at rowanradio.com. The following program does not represent the views or opinions of the staff or administration of Rowan University or Rowan Radio. 89.7 WGLS-FM. Rowan Radio 89.7 WGLS-FM proudly presents A Community Affair. A weekly program where we discuss with national and local newsmakers important issues that impact our community. And now, here's your host, WGLS-FM Public Affairs Director, Sam Whalen. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of A Community Affair. My name is Sam Whalen, and today I am joined by Dr. Amy Accardo, the new faculty director for the Center for Neurodiversity on the campus of Rowan University. How are you doing today, Amy? I'm terrific. Thank you so much for having me, Sam. Oh, it's my pleasure. Uh, so getting right into it, uh, why don't you talk a little bit about your background and how you came to be the uh, faculty director for the center? Sure, I would love to. Um, presently, I'm an associate professor in the interdisciplinary and inclusive education department at Rowan. I've been here for about eight years. And uh, my focus of uh, my research, my teaching, my service at the university has been connected to inclusion, autism, disability. Uh, more specifically, my research is focused on promoting access to equitable education opportunities for autistic young adults. So I really enjoy working with our um, autistic college students on campus, you know, mentoring students with invisible disabilities on campus, you know, things to that effect. I also um, <clears throat> do presentations and, you know, publish as we do at the university. And I try to focus on areas that promote independence for autistic people. So I, my research has looked at things beyond college access to include reading comprehension, writing, literacy, mental health, some of those different areas as well. That's really wonderful. And, it, you know, it seems like inclusion is sort of the name of the game here. So how is the this new center that's opening up, how is that going to foster a better environment and a more inclusive environment on campus? Yeah, good question. So, so we're really excited. And and what the center is going to do is it's really um, going to situate disability and specifically situate neurodivergence in our existing diversity initiatives, right? So we have the Division of Diversity, Equity and Inclusion at Rowan University. And this will be a, a new sort of inclusive, um, you know, focus on adding disability to that you know, project to that work. So we're really excited about that. Absolutely. And, you know, jumping a little bit ahead in what I have for you here, uh, part of the the DEI, what they're doing, they're also coming up with an anti-racism task force. So they're sort of, they're doing a lot of different things to sort of make Rowan more inclusive. So how does that feel for you? How does it feel being on the forefront of such positive change? Um, it, you know, honestly, I'm really proud to be part of the group. Um, I've done a lot of work with, with DEI. We have recently developed several different courses that faculty, staff, anyone on campus can take if they're interested. You know, first we had a, a diversity, equity and inclusion course, and we learn more about race, um, LGBTQ issues, right? 
And most recently, I was part of the project where we developed another uh, course. It's called Inclusive Pedagogy and Practices. And it's been uh, amazing. We're, we're starting on our seventh group of faculty. As soon as we open it up, it fills up. So it's just like it speaks to the fact that, you know, our community is really invested in all types of diversity and that we really feel that this is what gives strength to our campus. And um, like this new, this new certificate program that I'm talking about, it starts uh, with content from the history of disability, uh, understanding that disabled people have been, you know, marginalized sort of, you know, really in many ways sorted and segregated. And it goes into neurodiversity. I, I worked pretty hard on the neurodiversity section of that. And then a lot of my colleagues worked on things like universal design and you know, access and inclusion at the university level. And what we do is we have everybody who's involved can complete some kind of a project. So it's not just that faculty and staff, it's not that they're just taking part in the course, they're making meaningful change as well. You know, even if it's small, large, by, by coming up with projects where they you know, identify some kind of a barrier to inclusion and then come up with a solution for it. So we're, we're trying to get into the work as much as we can. Yeah, definitely. And, you know, being a, a lifelong educator like yourself, what's that like for you seeing these people make these breakthroughs almost on maybe a daily basis? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, I think that's why I love my job so much. And I, I work really hard, you know, we all do, right? But it, and it's great when you work hard and it, and it pays off and you feel like you're making a difference. I really um, am most excited about the impact that makes on our students, right? It really does. So I have seen just in, in my years at Rowan, the way we have increased access to, you know, beyond neurodivergent populations, you know, all kinds of populations, we've really worked to increase access so that more and more people who were previously considered minorities are at Rowan. And that's, that's huge. So that's sort of, you know, the payoff of it all. I have, um, you know, I have a lot of personal connection to neurodiversity as well, uh, extensive personal and family experiences with disability. So it, it's, it speaks to me on that level too, right? So that I can see that, you know, some of my, you know, my relatives, my, you know, my personal, um, you know, friends can, you know, now access college really that, and they wouldn't have been able to just a few years ago. Yeah, you know, putting together my notes for this show, that was something that really struck me is that the the term neurodiverse and the the whole notion of it is fairly recent. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but it was only developed in the 1990s, right? Exactly. Yeah. So um, it was developed in the 1990s. And it's funny because you're calling that recent. And I feel like people think it's brand new. And I, like I actually often say it's not something new. It's been around since the 1990s. Right. That's actually a pretty long time. And yeah, so it, it was um, the term neurodiversity was coined by a self-advocate, autistic self-advocate named Judy Singer back in the 90s. And um, for people who don't know, like if listeners don't know what neurodiversity is, you know, simply put, neurodiversity is recognizing brain differences as a natural human variation. And by brain differences, you know, we, we are saying that it's important to recognize that neurodiversity and disability sort of coexist. So by brain differences, I'm referring to uh, disability labels often most commonly connected 
to neurodiversity are ADHD, autism, like dyslexia, Tourette syndrome would be another. Also mental health conditions, right? Anxiety, depression are all linked to neurodiversity. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, we've had a, a very, I guess, putting it mildly, a stressful uh, last year and a half. So what are some ways that the, the center and maybe just in your personal life that you've been dealing with maybe the, the stress and the anxiety that's come from the, the pandemic? Yeah, that's a really interesting question because in the autism community, um, you know, like two points to make here, right? Mental health has emerged as occurring at higher incidences in people who identify as neurodivergent. So autism, ADHD, just people with disabilities in general. So that's a concern, right? But in some ways, this pandemic has had a positive effect because it's sort of centered that is okay now and everybody's focused on it, right? So it's, it's actually led to some supports in ways that before, you know, if you were a student and you came to your professor and you talked about your anxiety and how you had so much anxiety that you couldn't complete something, you know, they might send you to go get accommodations and you had to get a diagnosis and, you know, now people are more understanding of that. Um, so, you know, that's had an effect. Another is we've made everything sort of more accessible, right? So when we switched to a lot of online learning, for example, we started to provide more choice and options of how students can participate. So being able to participate in different uh, communication modalities. So being able to, you know, participate through the chat in Zoom, for example, versus having to speak verbally out loud, right? Uh, you know, and that has made a big difference for a lot of people and instructors and professors are noticing. They'll say, wow, you know, I'm through Zoom and the chats and, you know, the groups that we're forming, I'm really getting these rich conversations with more students engaged than what have been previously. So it's kind of interesting because, you know, it's been tough, but some hopefully lasting positive results are coming out of the pandemic for the neurodivergent community. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I know, at least from my personal experience, I'm a senior. So I had the year that was, was online and I know I was definitely more inclined to, you know, send a message in the chat asking a question or, or click the little raise your hand button. Whereas in class, I might be, you know, I might be a little bit more quiet, but, you know, still getting those questions answered online is, is definitely a positive, which is, you know, coming out of something that you, you would think would be tough to, to draw positives out of. So we were talking about the, the, the goal of inclusion on Rowan's campus. What characteristics in the Rowan community do you think lend themselves to that positive environment? So I would say that, you know, we're really, we're really grounded in valuing the perspectives of all different groups and all different um, communities. So like getting into sort of what neurodiversity is a little bit more, right, to answer that, like neurodiversity is also, it's a fact, right, that people have different brain brains, brain differences, but it's also explicitly connected to social justice and social justice movements, right? So there's a, a neurodiversity movement as well. And that's more like a social justice movement for full inclusion, right? So we respect that at Rowan. Um, you know, we respect that, you know, there are social justice movements, many of them, right, that are important 
to um, having what we would, you know, call full societal inclusion. We don't want it to be that, okay, we're going, you know, people are going to be supported maybe in K to 12 education and then that's it. You know, they're not supported through post-secondary education, which, you know, could be community college, university and or employment. So we're really focused on making sure that we're sort of targeting everybody in our, you know, external community for inclusion and for, you know, success beyond college and university. That's important to us as well. Um, with that said, like we really want to also prioritize and value different cultures. So we're sort of taking a, you know, multicultural lens. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I, I think that's a, a fantastic answer. Um, you know, like, like we said at the top of the show, it's, it's about the name of the game is inclusion. And I think that that definitely is, is on full display here that, you know, people from all walks of life, no matter, you know, what they may be dealing with or where they may come from, that they're welcome at Rowan. And I think that the center is, is sending a great message that exemplifies that. Yeah. I mean, we think about like, you know, neurodivergence is just one part of who a person is, right? So we really feel that it's important to sort of center neurodiversity and diversity initiatives because neurodiversity should be honored like any other human variation. Like we honor people's race, their ethnicity, right? Their gender, right? So it's one more aspect of who a person is. And too often disability is left out of that sort of conversation. And instead is just viewed from like a deficit lens or a deficit focus as a problem or as people needing to be fixed. So that's really like where our work will be trying to make that shift. Yeah, I think that's a really positive way to look at it. You know, it's it's not necessarily a problem. It's just part of who you are. And I think that 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 is really where I think for the general public that that's where the change needs to start is is sort of shifting how people view neurodiversity and and the people that are uh, a part of that community. Yeah, and it's pretty cool because that it has shifted a lot in terms of, um, you know, taking a strength perspective, right? That's what we're talking about. And a lot of, you're making me think about the fact that a lot of companies, like even worldwide, are now actively recruiting and hiring neurodivergent people for their strengths because, you know, they're often out of the box thinkers and like persistent at problem solving. You know, companies like Lockheed Martin uh, work with Rowan. We ha already have, we have this, uh, uh, program that we already have um, is um, a PATH program at Rowan, and um, we have wonderful people involved there. Kiara Latimer, she's awesome. She is uh, running that program, and it's really building relationships between our college and, you know, businesses. So anybody, you know, listening who, you know, is interested in hiring neuro neurodivergent students from Rowan, like, you know, connect with us because we work with these students from the time they enter Rowan to the time they graduate and help them, you know, with placements, because we do realize that, you know, companies are valuing specifically neurodivergent students for their strengths. So that's a, a really good shift that that shows that we're on the, you know, in the right direction. We're all moving in the right direction together. Absolutely. And, you know, it's it's really positive to see that because, you know, perhaps before they might have been ostracized, but now they're being, you know, specifically chosen and valued because of having neurodivergence. And I think that's a really wonderful thing to see, especially uh, in the college atmosphere and, and you know, post-college once you you know, go into the quote unquote real world. In your, you had a 2018 publication that talks about the growing number of uh, post-high school graduates with uh, autism spectrum disorder. 
So how will the center help welcome those new students if they decide to come to our own university? Yeah, thank you. Thank you for looking at my publications too. Um, yeah, we have an increasing number of autistic students um, coming. You know, autism right now, numbers are one in 54 nationally. New Jersey is still the highest number of incidences in the state of one in 31. I mean, that's a lot, right? That, and interestingly, you know, we're doing better with screening, but more males are still identified as autistic. It's one in 20 boys in New Jersey. So of course we have more and more autistic students coming to our university. So, you know, what we're going to do um, is really, um, you know, prioritize what the neurodivergent students, faculty and staff, um, you know, support us in understanding, right? So we need to learn from them. Like, their priorities are our priorities. That's really important. It's like back from disability rights from like the 60s and 70s, nothing about us without us, right? So what we need to do is make that shift to appreciating who people are that are neurodivergent, to appreciating, you know, their culture, to having events on campus where we have, you know, there's a lot of like really awesome neurodivergent self-advocates that are out there and, and they're role models and they're super successful and start inviting them to campus to you know, to speak, to talk about how to learn self-advocacy, to also provide professional development for faculty, right? And, you know, it will take some time, but, you know, this is, you know, really what we want to, um, you know, commit to doing. We want to also commit to like rethinking, you know, what programs do we have that are working really well? And where do we need to learn and change? You know, what barriers do we still have that when we start to think about them, like, you know, can be shifted, right? And um, autistic students coming can also, you know, expect things like uh, ways to connect. So we have a neurodiversity um, club at this point on campus already. We also have a neurodiversity affinity group. Um, I mentioned the PATH program. You know, and we plan to, you know, expand these different areas. And also, like, I feel like it's really important that we put our neurodivergent faculty, staff, and students in leadership positions in this initiative. So, like, that's one of my goals as faculty director, right, is to make sure that that we do that. Yeah, I think that's a that's a wonderful way to look, uh, you know, coming to this position and and looking at the center as a whole, I think it's a fantastic way to look forward to the future, how we can, you know, change how we see things and how we can pave the way for a better future for new students. Uh, so we'll be right back with more of A Community Affair. Welcome back, everybody, to A Community Affair. Today, I am speaking with Dr. Amy Accardo, the faculty director for the Center for Neurodiversity on the campus of Roan University. Uh, so getting right back into it, uh, earlier you mentioned uh, your personal ties uh, to dealing with uh, or studying neurodiversity and, and your family connections. How do those personal uh, connections fuel you in what you do uh, in your job every day? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, huh, so... I think when you have when you have you know personal and family experiences with disability sort of through a lifetime, you're fueled by things that you learn and notice, right? So like I really early on 
you know, noticed when people are actually included and when they're not like, you know, when is it real inclusion? When are you maybe included because you're feel, feeling good about a peer buddy, but then, you know, meanwhile, you know, the students uh, have no one to sit with at lunch, right? Like, so when real inclusion is actually happening also like things like when disability positively influences people, I, people's like identity, right? So like, to me, that's been one of my biggest sort of personal reflections is I'm seeing, you know, people who are dis disabled or, you know, family members and aspects of myself, right? Where, you know, when you've had a disability throughout your life, you're constantly feeling like you have to be fixed. You're constantly looked at as if there is a problem. And that's, that's because of, you know, the nature of uh, what we call, I don't know if I should get into this, but like what we call medical model of disability. So like right now, disability follows a traditional sort of medical model. So let's say that you are autistic. First, you have to get that diagnosis, right? From, you know, psychologist or your doctor and you get a medical diagnosis. And that follows a criteria of a list of deficits, right? There's nothing positive there. It's like, Yes, you have this diagnosis because, you know, you have these three, four five things wrong with you and you're aware of that. So then you're given, you know, in school, maybe in IEP and services and you're put in a special room and you're aware of it. You're aware the whole time that you're being, you know, systematically sort of marginalized because of this label. So what it does to you is, you know, it makes you feel like you're, um, you know, it, it just makes you feel like that label is something that maybe at many times, you know, you want to have nothing to do with, right? So I've had a lot of personal reflection and experience with that. And then I'm also sort of personally then so fascinated and interested in people who them, you know, say, hey, hold on, like, forget about autism. I'm neurodivergent. I have a lot of strengths and I'm really proud of who I am and take that disability pride on. Like, I love that shift. You know, and like that's to me what also motivates me professionally. I want to help students and others who are neurodivergent, like make that shift and get that awareness of like, you have so many strengths. Look, you know, you are, you know, super uh, creative and a leader and honest, like and all these strengths that you have. And, you know, don't worry about these labels if you can embrace it and sort of, you know, be vulnerable and portray those strengths. It's actually like a really empowering thing. So um, like that's sort of my personal perspective and maybe sort of my, my personal path that's, you know, mirroring and, and you know, helping me with my, my, my uh, you know, my focal points, you know, as a professional as well. Absolutely. I think that that's a, that's a fantastic way of looking at it. And I, I, you know, it's interesting and really positive to think that way, you know, that, that, you know, even the term disability has a negative connotation to it, I think, especially when you when you frame it in the the medical sense of, you know, going to the doctor and being almost, you know, you know, deemed this term. But it's more than that. And you're more than that. And I think that that's a wonderful message that you're sending uh, to, to everybody, really. Yeah. So like what what autistic self-advocates often um, think about with their like lived experience is that it's more a social model of disability. So shifting to the realization that often it's a social environment that actually disables you, right? So you could be autistic or, you know, ADHD or something, and you have no problem at home. You're not disabled. You're, 
you know, you could, and you have a job, you're a great salesperson, you know, you're, but when you're in a certain situation, or, you know, let's say, let's say, for example, you're a teenager with ADHD, and you could be highly successful in your home, highly successful in your um, uh, science lab classroom where it's hand on, hands on, but then you're, you know, placed in a social studies class with a teacher who lectures and you're, you know, expected to sit for 90 minutes and take notes. Suddenly, now you're sort of disabled by the social environment that you're in or, or that environment, right? That's what I could come up with a better example, probably. But sometimes it's the environment that we're in, right, that sort of disables us, if that makes sense. Or, you know, the way other people are judging you, that sort of is the social aspect of it. Yeah, I think that's that's part of, you know, you talk about shifting the mindset. And I think that's definitely a part of it. Determining what uh, is impacting you and affecting you. And I think that that is what the the Center for Neurodiversity is definitely going to help uh, a lot of new students or uh, current students around university really deal with is, is figuring out what is best for them in their lives. And that's really going to make a positive change on campus. Yeah. And one way that we will do that is through universal design. So universal design sort of started with, you know, architecture and removing barriers for people with physical disabilities. So, you know, thinking about, you know, how we now have curb cuts and ramps and things, right? And, you know, expanding that to think about brain differences as well. You know, so what are barriers for people who are neurodivergent and how can we remove those on campus? You know, so, um, you know, that's a lot of the important work that we'll be doing. So even things like, you know, a little example there could be, you know, we're talking about online learning. You know, I, I, and many of our online courses, we just routinely um, have time limits to quizzes and tests that you take. I'm sure you experience that probably as a student, right? So thinking about, all right, so that creates a barrier, you know, this time pressure creates a barrier for people who maybe need more processing time. But doesn't it also create anxiety for everybody? Like, why do we need this clock racing behind us, right? It's like sort of a barrier, like, why do we need it? Let's reconsider, you know, things from that small example to, of course, larger, you know, barriers that are on campus. And, you know, we'll really, as the focus of the center, think about, um, you know, neurodivergence from a strength perspective, building on strengths to overcome challenges and emphasizing universal design along with accessibility and inclusion. Yeah, I think that that's 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 wonderful and, you know, looking forward to to when the center is going to open. I think Rowan really has a positive future uh, coming up for it. And I think that it's wonderful that you're ahead of that. Uh, I think that just in our conversation today you've you've shown how much you care. And I think that that's really where the the change comes from is when you have people in charge that care. Um and, you know, it's, it was fantastic talking today. Thank you so much for coming on the show. Thank you so much, Sam. If anybody wants more information, they can email us at neurodiversity at rowan.edu. That's fantastic. Thank you so much again. Thank you, everybody, for listening. Uh, this has been A Community Affair. I will see everybody next time. You've been listening to A Community Affair with your host, WGLS-FM Public Affairs Director, Sam Whalen. Be sure to join us on the third Saturday of every month at 9 a.m. as we discuss the important issues that impact you and our community. 
only here on Growit Radio, 89.7 WGLS-FM.